bringing people together into a public space that has a particular, almost sheltered purpose of expanding horizons, putting people into contact with experiences they wouldn't otherwise have, putting people into contact with other people they wouldn't otherwise encounter. I think those are hugely important functions uh, that schools play. The importance of commenting as a verb, as an action, as a process. How we organize education in our societies, uh, that that needs to be uh, a project that brings people together. Had too many imposed futures on our planet. It's really important um, for future making to be a democratic participatory process. Hello and welcome to the Meaningful Learning Podcast by Coconut Thinking. I'm your host, Dr. Benjamin Freud, and today's guest is Noah Sobi. Noah is a senior project officer at UNESCO, working on the Future of Education project there. Uh, there's quite a bit that's being done there. Our report is coming out at the end of the year. And really the idea is of taking UNESCO and uh, really serving as a provocation in order to think about how we can common our futures. And I'll put that in the plural. Noah can explain, uh, and will explain quite a bit about that. He's taking a couple of years off from being a professor at Loyola University in Chicago. And Noah is the first of three conversations that we'll have for the next three episodes about um, connecting with people who are researchers or thinkers or doers or project managers or whatever it might be outside of education in some ways, but also inside. We're thinking about breaking open the classroom figuratively uh, and opening up to the ecosystem of learning and about what we have in common, what a common purpose might be, specifically with this bent on biocentrism, ecocentrism, uh, and uh, and commenting as with Noah. Hope you'll find the conversation interesting uh, and worthwhile. Um, and also, please uh, forgive me for the poor quality of the audio. Uh, I was away, didn't have my mic, uh, and I'm a bit scratchy. But uh, luckily, uh, you're here to listen to Noah, and uh, that uh, will be a very fruitful. We hope. Always so looking forward to your comments, and I'll leave um, space for my conversation with Noah Sobi. Well, hi, Noah. We're so excited to have you uh, contribute to the podcast. Um, I know you uh, have done a, a lot of great work and thinking about uh, really education from a different lens from a lot of the um, other contributors that we've had. And so I'm really excited to get to know uh, you a little bit and your thinking, specifically in terms of your position on maybe uh, the commons and the future of education and how we can move forward towards the future. Uh, which I know is something that, that you've been uh, working um, uh, and thinking a lot about, or the futures, as, as I've heard you say on one of the podcasts. So I'll, I'll leave it open for the, the first question, which is, uh, who are you, what do you do, and how do you try to make a difference? Super. Well, thanks, Benjamin. Uh, it's great to be on your show. I'm uh, honored to join. I listened to a bunch of them and honored to join. So I'm Noah Sobi. I am uh, currently Senior Project Officer at UNESCO. Uh, where I work helping to lead uh, a new Futures of Education initiative, which I can, I can take a second at some point and tell you about. I'm uh, in, in a different life. Uh, I'm also a professor uh, of education. I teach at Loyola University in Chicago, um, but I'm on a two-year leave of absence um, from that uh, to uh, help UNESCO put together uh, a project that really seeks to think deeply uh, and reflect on how uh, education can most usefully um, be employed to shape the futures of humanity and the planet. Um, so what's my passion? Uh, you know, I, uh, I, I'm actually trained as a historian of education. So it's sort of interesting to uh, be, <laughs> 
uh, now working on the, on the future. Um, and uh, in some ways I've kind of jumped directly from the, the past to the future. And so, you know, I ask myself from time to time, what qualification does, does a historian uh, have uh, for thinking about futures of education? I do a lot of international work as well, but uh, the thing that uh, I think my studies of the histories of education in different places have taught me uh, is just how different schools and education and relationships between teachers and students can be. You know, what we have now uh, is by no means automatic um, and it's by no means what we will always have. So uh, kind of understanding the, the um, you know, the shape of the possible, I think is something that's, that's really important for us all in education. I wanna pick up on a lot of those things, but the question that we always ask every single contributor is, in how, to def how do you define learning? And the reason we do so is because at education, we talk about learning and what it is, but, but we don't always have a shared understanding of what that is. So I'll turn it to you, Noah, and ask you, how do you define learning? Well, so Benjamin, I would actually rather define education. I mean, I think that's, um, I will answer your question, but I do think that uh, how we define education is, is also a crucial question. Um, you know, uh, I think uh, the first thing to point out is that uh, the concept of learning um, is used in very particular ways in certain academic circles, Anglophone circles. Uh, I don't know what languages you work across, but um, the, the very fact that it's so difficult to translate the concept of learning into many languages um, is, is revealing. Um, and I think it's actually quite productively revealing um, of, of some of the tensions and ambiguities there. Um, I think that in uh, most of the uh, educational contexts that I operate in, um, learning is uh, understood as uh, a way to name the process of acquiring knowledge, capabilities, possibly even wisdom. Um, uh, you know, it's understood, and I would see it this way too, as a process, also the results of a process. Um, I think there's some dangers though in thinking about education solely in terms of learning. Um, you know, it can force us into a position of, of um, you know, needing behavioralist evidence of, of, of some change, um, you know, which may be hard to come by. I think there are other concepts um, like growth and development that um, also need to be uh, on the table when, when we think about um, education and when we think about learning. Um, but the reason I said at the start that uh, I think it's really important to um, define education uh, is that I would propose, and then this is, uh, you know, some thinking um, that comes out of work being done by uh, UNESCO's International Commission on the Futures of Education. Um, I propose that uh, there's, there's a kind of spontaneity to learning. There's a kind of, um, uh, you know, uh, idea that learning can happen almost in any situation, in, in any setting. And there's, that's part of the beauty and wonder of the human ability to learn. Um, 
but uh, I would actually draw a tighter definition around education as something that is intentional, something that is uh, systematic, um, um, something that requires planning, um, something that doesn't just happen spontaneously. And I mean, I think um, uh, it's important, really important to bear that in mind, particularly as um, you know, we're becoming increasingly aware, um, you know, with digital communication uh, and other digital affordances of, you know, the huge amounts of learning that are available to people. Um, you know, I think in all cultures at all times, uh, you know, there's, there are powerful learning opportunities left, right, and center. Um, and, you know, we need to all of us need to you know, appreciate and value those. But when we get to thinking about education, I think we're talking about uh, a process of publicly deliberating on um, what it is important to ensure that people come into contact with that they might not otherwise come into contact with, right? Um, so, you know, on one level, education is valuable because it creates opportunities for people that they wouldn't ordinarily have. Um, and we can all think of examples. Uh, I mean, this has been probably the most significant historic function of the school, um, which is to uh, allow individuals to overcome, um, you know, background or other characteristics that, you know, otherwise would prevent them from, uh, you know, uh, living the lives they want to live. Um, so schools, schools provide people with opportunities and historically, um, with varying degrees of success, of course, um, but aspirationally at least, and, and I would assert in many cases successfully, uh, schools provide people uh, with uh, opportunities that they wouldn't normally come by. Um, and I think that's the crux, the crux of education. And as we, you know, increasingly inhabited, inhabit these digitally mediated worlds uh, where things are so readily available to us and we can, we can independently and self-learn, I think that's wonderful. Um, I think we also, um, you know, as humanity need um, some collective careful thought um, about what we should be educating for. And this brings a very interesting point. The fact that you're an educational historian or historian of education, so I say, is, is, is fascinating to me. I'm a historian, not on the education side as well. So, so I understand that the future and the past, how they, how they connect. And, and the point about the opportunity is that it is future um, driven by definition. And, and it depends on where the future is. And that depends on where we are at this point in the present. Correct me if I'm wrong. And I'm actually opening this and, and simplifying this grossly. And you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna tell me a lot more. But the school itself is, is a fairly recent story, what school is. Um, uh, you know, we, we can talk about this idea that, that we've heard so many times about it's the industrial age and conveyor belt, but it's also much more than that. It's also getting kids off the street, the ragged schools in the UK, about maybe in France, um, uh, you know, uh, inculcating some kind of uh, nationalism, Republican uh, sentiments to, to end the idea of the monarchy. Um, there's a lot of, of social values that have been there probably from the 19th century because schools didn't exist as we know them four or 500 years ago, 300 years ago. So going back to this point of where the present is, the opportunities in the 19th century were somewhere. In the 20th century, those opportunities might have shifted a little bit. 
But now, where we are in the present, how do we think about the story of school moving forward to seize these opportunities as individuals and, of course, who we are as a collective? How does that change what school is or what it can be? Yeah, no, it's a it's a great question. I mean, I think it's one that not just you and I need to talk and think about, but I think it's one everyone needs to think about. Uh, I mean, there's no question in my mind that um, uh, I wouldn't even put it as schools need to transform. Uh, schools are in the midst of a massive transformation already. And I think it's gonna be one of those things where uh, a decade or two from now, We'll, we'll, we'll have a better understanding of, of the transformation that we're living right now. Um, I, I think that um, schools play a really important role um, as, as a kind of defense against inequalities. And, and I'd posit that one of the things we've seen um, in, with the COVID disruptions uh, is just how critical um, you know, institutions, educational institutions like schools are for um, staving off um, inequalities. Um, so there's a there's a certain fundamental um, social guarantee um, uh, that that comes from schools that I think um, is valuable and not to be overlooked. Um, you know, I I think that some of the arguments about uh, you know the school form being said in the 19th century and not having changed much since. Uh, some of them hold water and some of them don't. I mean, it's a bit uh, overstating the case to claim that we have that we have factory schools, um, although I certainly understand um, that line of argument. Uh, as you were getting at though, Benjamin, the uh, school has long served multiple purposes. Um, you know, it's served as a, uh, a tool uh, for preparing people for citizenship, allowing them to practice citizenship. Um, you know, it's uh, it served as a tool for inculcating, um, you know, values. You know, um, you know, uh, you know. There's really, uh, I mean, people often immediately go to nationalism and patriotism, um, but I think you know, in in recent years, we've seen. Um, schools really used uh, quite importantly and effectively to build cultures of peace, you know, in, um, you know, conflict-torn societies. Uh, so I think schools play uh, and probably will continue to play um, a wide range of, a wide range of roles going forward. Um, you know, how, how will, how will schools change? Um, I mean, I think uh, that what maybe maybe what I hope is that you know uh, we'll come out of uh, this experience of having life uh, so disruptive. Uh, so we're talking now in March of 2021. Um, you know uh, where you know schooling as it you know has traditionally been organized isn't happening as smoothly and effectively and, and we're, we're learning a lot from it um, but i think we'll learn um, you know what can be done uh, in digital what can be done in the home kind of in other environments and what uh, can can really be done well when you bring people together uh, to learn together you know with purpose kind of in a community 
um, alongside teachers, um, with teachers. Um, so I think uh, that act of bringing people together into a public space that has a particular, almost sheltered purpose of expanding horizons, um, as I said earlier, putting people into contact with experiences they wouldn't otherwise have, um, putting people into contact with other people they wouldn't otherwise encounter. I think those are hugely important um, functions um, that schools play. Uh, and I would predict will will strongly continue, or at least I think they'll need to continue uh, to play in the future. So you talk about a sheltered structure, not literally always, but you also, I know you, you've brought up in, in some of your writings, the, the concepts of, a, of an educational ecosystems and how those are going to change in the future. How, how do you see that? So, I mean, I think the first thing to remark is that the school is, you know, but one of many really critical educational institutions. Um, and, you know, what I was saying uh, earlier about, you know, education having you know, some purpose, some intentionality, and some planning, um, I think applies equally well to, to non-formal and informal education. Um, I mean, some of the most like amazing pedagogical conversations I've had have been with people working in those sectors. Um, and so there's, uh, there's definitely every bit of, of, of thinking about the purpose of learning and the purpose of the activities that um, we're engaged in with students um, in those settings as in schools. So I think uh, thinking about, uh, you know, an educational ecosystem um, is first putting on the table how those different pieces relate to one another. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be, a, you know, a perfectly articulated system where someone goes, you know, from institution A to B in this particular order. But one of the things that I think we've seen in our world is that, um, you know, a, a you know, diversity and heterogeneity is a source of strength. Um, I mean, uh, you know, having multiple institutions serving the diversity of, of, of humanity is, is really absolutely necessary. So that's the first part, uh, I think, that's uh, useful for thinking about an educational ecosystem. Um, you know, the, the second part, I think, is, you know, taking a, um, you know, a systems perspective would suggest that, you know, and, 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 and require us to, to think uh, about the ways that we ourselves are part of this. Um, you know, uh, this is not something like external, um, but it's something that we compose, um, you know, that, uh, uh, you know, we, we, we make the environment of education as we make education. Um, so that's, that's, I think, the value of thinking in terms of educational ecosystems um, uh, when, particularly when we think about, you know, um, you know, all these like possible and uncertain futures, um, you know, what, what tools we'll have, um, what tools we want to have at our disposal, um, you know, to uh, afford flexibility and adaptability, right, um, you know, both to respond to, you know, challenges unforeseen, as well as continue to respond to like everything we know we need to respond to, uh, like in the present, as well as what we've inherited from the past that still needs addressing. And maybe we could talk a little bit more about what you mean about uh, possible and uncertain futures in the plural, because traditionally when we think about time in a very linear sense, past, present, future, 
we all have a future. Why do you use the plural when you, when you talk about the futures? Yeah. Well, here, let me just uh, take a second and, and, and uh, mention that the project I work on at UNESCO is called Futures of Education. Uh, it um, is a kind of reflection process that uh, UNESCO, which is the, the UN fleet agency on education, as you probably know, I'm very involved in uh, the, implementing the 2030 agenda. Um, but of course, UNESCO also does uh, really important work in culture, um, science, communication, um, alongside education. Uh, but every generation or so, um, UNESCO has done a high-level visioning exercise. Uh, the last one took place in, in the late 1990s under the leadership of Jacques Delors and led to a report called Learning the Treasure Within. Um, so we're, we're in the current version of that. The, we have an international commission that's chaired by the president uh, of Ethiopia uh, with a set of really interesting and important um, you know, thought leaders um, from uh, around the world. Um, and uh, from a range of different areas. Uh, and uh, there's been over the last year and a half, uh, the report, the commission is gonna release a report in November of 2021. But over the last year and a half, there's been just a really amazing series of conversations and discussions. Uh, we have some online platforms. Uh, we've had a, over uh, a million people offer their ideas into the project. It's just super exciting to see um, what's 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 coming up and what's coming together. Um, but quite deliberately, from the very beginning, um, UNESCO referred to this as the Futures of Education Initiative, um, and. Uh, I think there were two main reasons. Um, the first is just a bit pragmatic, which is to recognize that, you know, there 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 will be multiple futures of education. Um, uh, but second, that that's desirable. You know, that for far too long, um, not just in education, but certainly in education, we've had too many in, imposed futures on our planet. You know, and it's really important. Um, for future making to be a democratic participatory process. Um, and uh, going back to the diversity of, of educational forms and institutions in ecosystems, um, I think that uh, you know, we all should be thinking about multiple futures of education um, within one common shared future. Um, so I think, uh, I think that that kind of plurality um, you know, within uh, common shared experience uh, is something, you know, we as humans are entirely capable of doing, even though we struggle with it sometimes. And you use the word commoning. I mean, you, you take common and, and you, you put it into, into kind of a, a, a verb-like function, uh, uh, or I don't know what the, what, the, what the grammatical term is. Frankly, I forgot my, uh, my fifth work. grade uh, grammar. Yeah, we're, <laughs> uh, we're kind of... So it's kind of gerund, um, but uh, what what, are, what does that mean? The commoning of, um, of 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 our future of education of, of the pedagogy. Yeah, no, thanks for bringing that up. So uh, I think uh, just to go back to the commission for one second, one of the um, the key things that this group is putting forward, and and we hear it echoed in in countless conversations. You know, whether it's you know with teachers or parents or youth 
or, or even youth out of school, because uh, we've really uh, done some amazing engagement. Um, but one of the recurrent themes is this idea that um, education really at its best serves us all, that it goes beyond the individual benefits that accrue to any one person. And, and, and I, none of us should overlook that, that education does benefit individuals. Um, but one of the ways it benefits individuals is because uh, is by benefiting us all, right? Like we're all the richer um, uh, for um, having uh, educational goods widely distributed. Um, so uh, the UNESCO Commission has has kind of named that as the principle of education as a global common good, and and talked quite a bit about um, uh, the importance of that. Uh, and if it's if it's uh, possible to embed a link with your uh, your description of this, uh, we can embed a link uh, to a progress update from the International Commission um, that uh, your listeners might be interested in. Um, but along the way, along the way, we've um, been talking about um, the importance of the common um, and education as a common enterprise that brings people together. Um, and the importance of commoning, as you, as you were saying, Benjamin, as, as, as a verb, as an action, as a process. Um, and I think you can, you can trace the importance of commoning, um, you know, both when we, you know, we think about how we organize education in our societies, um, that that needs to be uh, a project that brings people together for collective public deliberation, um, but also what we do in our classrooms. You know, that um, one of the critical things kids these days, um, heck, not just kids, all of us, right, across the lifespan need to get better at um, collaborating, at, you know, working together, you know, at negotiating. I mean, those are the, um, I, I, I don't like the term soft skills <laughs> um, because uh, they're hard, they're difficult, um, and they're also like super strong skills and important skills. Um, and I think that when we think about, you know, pedagogical commoning, we're talking about, um, you know, the, the educational experiences that bring people together around common projects to, you know, push the boundaries of knowledge, to do research, um, to create and co-construct things together. Um, and I think, uh, you know, absolutely those are uh, uh, some of the key skills um, that we need now. We needed them 10 years ago and, and before that, uh, but we're definitely going to need them uh, in the future. You know, uh, just think about the global health pandemic we're experiencing. Think about the, um, uh, the climate crisis we're experiencing, we caused. Um, you know, these are, these are huge collective um, uh, challenges that call for uh, collective common responses. And, and these are these are problems that we have in common that we share not just as a, a human species but also with with other living beings. It seems to me that this brings us towards this idea of 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 humanism and education and and that link that has traditionally uh, created this sort of binary between the mind, the or the body, cognitive reasoning, emotional, the affective. Um, it's also individualized us, atomized us into thinking that you know we have one path as, as individuals. 
commenting seems to me that it has to move beyond humanism, maybe in a, in a post-humanistic context where we have to work together and break that binary. But that requires a fundamental shift in values. Inevitable, in my opinion. Where do you see the role of, of organizations like UNESCO taking us there? Or, or how do these pieces that are very complex fit together? It's a complete mind shift for, for all of, of society. I agree with you uh, that it's a real challenge. I think it's absolutely within the reach, though. I mean, I think it, it begins with um, uh, recognizing and appreciating our interdependencies, um, you know, uh, you know, with one another as human beings, um, but also critically, as you were saying, uh, with the natural world, with the planet. Um, you know, we are not apart from the planet. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I do think that um, uh, for a long time, education has not done a good job. It's actually been, you know, one of the reasons why we've developed uh, this really difficult, strained relationship, um, you know, with nature um, uh, for uh, kind of the, anthropocentrism um, that you were alluding to. Um, also for some of the, you know, poverty of our relationships with others, um, I think, you know, can be traced to um, some of the things that, uh, some of the ways we've educated. Um, so I absolutely think that uh, a lot of the ways um, uh, we set up learning, we set up schools needs to change. It needs to uh, put in the foreground um, how we think about our relationships with each other, how we think about our relationships with the planet. And I would add to that, how we think about our relationships with technology um, and, and machines, um, uh, which, uh, you know, similarly, um, you know, are not, are increasingly not external to us, but part, part of, parts of us, uh, particularly in, in the way we, we, we or so many of us on the planet now live um, these very kind of technologically mediated lives. Um, so uh, reflection on that's really important um, in educational processes. You know, there's a, um, uh, you know, uh, I think a really um, widespread uh, interest in um, the ways that education can help us rethink these relationships. Um, you know, particularly with other living beings, um, you know, directing attention to uh, the loss of biodiversity in all its forms, uh, I think is, is just one of the critical functions of education um, now and in the future. Um, you know, thinking about uh, how we repair damage, um, I think is another, um, you know, absolutely essential educational imperative. Um, and, and they all come together around recognizing that, um, you know, we live in a more than human world um, and our education needs to, needs to reflect that. And where do the changes begin? And I ask this because um, there is this question that um, whether or not the system as a whole can change, whether or not it has to happen on the fringes and then eventually bleed towards the center. Uh, there's, there's a lot of resistance out there, not just uh, from, from the, the, the world of textbooks and standardized tests, but also 
the, the university process, the admissions process, this idea that you need to go to university in order to, to, to be successful. Um, on the other hand, the world of work, which is on the other side, might be questioning the way traditional education system happens. Lots of parts in the system. Where does the change start? Yeah, I mean, it can seem overwhelming at times, right? I mean, this, you know, it's... Uh... You know, it's also it's also the overwhelming task of kind of um, you know redesigning our societies um, while we're living them. Um, you know, to use the, the 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 popular metaphor of like you know re-engineering the airplane while it's flying. Uh, well, sorry, folks, we don't have a choice there. You know, we we as human beings are born into an already ongoing world. You know, um, and uh, we have to. Kind of live and adapt, and um, you know, think intergenerationally, not just with you know the generations to come, but also with the generations that preceded us. Um, I, I, I think. Uh, I mean, I have great faith in education. I, I, uh, you know, absolutely, absolutely believe that. Uh, you know, education is is the linchpin for um, addressing so much um, in people's lives, in our shared lives together. Um, but at the same time, we have to not overpromise. You know, um, we have to recognize that you know some of the things you were bringing up uh, are topics that need addressing in the political realm. You know, in thinking about how we organize or want to reorganize our economies, you know, our practices of consumption, you know, education can contribute to that. But we, we, we set ourselves up for a great, you know, failure and disillusionment, you know, if we think that education is, you know, as is often said, the magic bullet or the panacea. But just, I mean, just beginning with what education can do is already a fabulous contribution, right? And uh, I mean, I think that, you know, what uh, education can do in terms of, uh, you know, curriculum and teaching and pedagogy uh, is bring people together um, to tackle problems, you know, to work out solutions um, and, you know, really uh, develop capacities and abilities to um, accomplish things together. Uh, I think, uh, you know, in, in terms of educational institutions, we can design systems that create opportunities um, that reduce exclusion and marginalization and let bring us uh, in the direction of, of, of more uh, inclusive and just societies. Um, you know, I think that uh, education can also make real contributions uh, to, to peace and building cultures of peace. Um, I think education can also make real contributions to um, our economic well-being, um, you know, which I think goes goes well beyond, you know, preparing us for the for the world of work, but thinking about, you know, how um, we can, you know, kind of successfully, um, you know, provision ourselves for 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 rich lives um, and for you know helping others achieve rich lives. Um, and, you know, sometimes, sometimes, uh, that has an economic dimension and sometimes, you know, that economic dimension is, is, is not as financially linked. So, uh, I mean, just, just, uh, trying not to get overwhelmed by the complexity of the task at hand and realizing, uh, instead that, you know, 
each concrete thing that we can do in education, and there are a lot of them, um, uh, really has uh, promise um, for, for making change. And you bring up a great point that uh, um, it is the non-economic, non-world of work piece where, where education can also play such a vital role as we socialize, as we you know deal with problems on the playground, deal with problems in groups and so forth. All those things that maybe COVID is, is exposing that we can't do behind screens as, as well. Our personal lives need education to thrive. Um, what about this idea, and I'm interested here in, in your experience also uh, uh, as a professor, uh, what do you see in terms of the student body, in terms of the way they think when they come out of, of, uh, of K-12, how they're able to, to cope with, with some of the, 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 the personal rigor that's required at university, maybe some of the challenges of growing up away from home? How do you see that in your, in your student body, and has that changed over the years? I, I appreciate the question. You know, it's interesting. I've, I, I, I Working at UNESCO and, and and really trying to think about you know uh, education at a global level, I've actually spent you know the last year and a half uh, almost trying to unlearn my experiences in American high in American higher education and American education because they are they are in many ways like so atypical. Um, you know, I think it's uh, I don't know. I think it's really important for all of us uh, in education. Um, not to get, you know, fixated on the elite institutions and, you know, think that, um, you know, if we just sort of fix X, Y, or Z, then we can create, you know, the perfect meritocratic system. Uh, but instead, you know, to really focus on, uh, you know, the kinds of schools, the kinds of universities that the majority of the world population um, world population experiences. Because the inequality, yeah, is, is more than just at a domestic level, isn't it? I mean, it's, we need to think about it on a global level. Um, the, the, it's, it's, it's a massive, it's a huge problem as we contribute towards the planet. Yeah, absolutely. Noah, thank you so much for being on, on the podcast. Really appreciate, you know, your, your contributions and, and, and really thinking about this idea of, of again, the, the word commenting that, that I've been introduced to in a way, but of course now it's, it's like, so obvious, the, the simplicity um, of it all makes it, you know, that's, that's where I guess the, the genius comes in. Um, but uh, thanks so much. And, and tell us, so, so, so the, it's going to come out November 2021. And, and what are the next step after, after you right. what, what are the next steps or, or how that, is that going to move forward? Yeah, it's designed as an unfinished piece. It's designed, um, you know, uh, less as a blueprint than as a provocation. Uh, I mean, it's designed to uh, support a conversation that's going to continue. Um, so uh, the next step is for all of us together to continue, you know, this global debate and dialogue uh, about, you know, what we can best use education for. And I really appreciate the chance to to come on your show. I really like the the conversations about about learning and change uh, that you've been you've been uh, sort of catalyzing yourself. Uh, so again, thanks for the opportunity. This has been the Meaningful Learning Podcast by Coconut Thinking. We really thank you for listening. I really thank you for uh, uh, your comments and uh, reaching out to us on LinkedIn, on email, and on text. Even uh, our next conversation will be with Hayden Washington, who is uh, a researcher uh, in Australia uh, and has done so many things there. I don't want to just narrow it down to uh, a snippet, 
but really he's someone who's going to focus us on wondering, on bringing children back to nature, on ecocentrism, and on those values. So we look forward to that conversation. I want to thank Noah for being a contributor to this podcast. Uh, please um, check us out on www.coconut-thinking.design. We always look forward to your comments. And if you are someone who's interested in thinking about education or anything really that um, focuses on purpose, purpose for the collective, the bio-collective, inside, outside education, we really want to break open that ecosystem, please uh, don't hesitate to contact. We look forward to any kind of conversations. In the meantime, thanks so much for listening and uh, until next time.